Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 20th of December, 2021, the 16th of Tevet, 5782, coming to you this morning from just outside the old city walls of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are safe in your part of the world. We are experiencing a winter storm here in Israel. They actually give it a name. It's called Carmel. It's supposed to last until Wednesday. Cold temperatures, high winds, a lot of rain throughout the country. But rain is a blessing. Everyone here in Israel should stay safe during this storm. But uh, we really appreciate the rain. Thank you, Hashem. Thank God for the rain. It is, it's great. It's great when it rains here in Israel. It's a true blessing. Don't forget, you can get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com, on Facebook, Joshua Haston, or Josh Haston Israel Advocacy and Journalism, on Twitter at Josh Haston, and on Instagram as well. Unfortunately, another difficult week here in the Jewish state with a uh, murderous terror attack which took place several days ago. 25-year-old father husband uh, was murdered. Yehuda Dementman, who was attacked by jihadists in a drive-by shooting in northern Samaria on Thursday. He was killed. Several other Israelis were injured. And uh, here we go again. Here we go again, folks. I don't know if you want to call this a wave of terror but there have been, and I'll get to the details in a few minutes here, there have been terror attempts, uh, including knife attempts, knife stabbing attempts, and of course this deadly shooting over the last several days, in addition to the daily rock and firebomb attacks on the roads throughout Judea, Samaria, and Jerusalem. The Jewish press reports from Sunday that the Yamam police elite National Counter-Terror Unit and the Shin Bet on Sunday arrested those terrorists who carried out the shooting near Chomesh in Samaria on Thursday and claimed the life of Yehuda Dementmen. Four terrorists were picked up in a village in the Janine area on suspicion that two of them carried out the shooting and two assisted in the operation. Uh, it involved opening fire in an ambush on a civilian car with uh, students. These are yeshiva students who were learning in the yeshiva there and in Chomesh. So very difficult to talk once again about a deadly terror attack. Just, what was it, two, three weeks ago, we talked about the murder of Eli K., the tour guide who was gunned down in Jerusalem. Times of Israel says the terror cell suspected of carrying out the shooting belongs to the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terror group. We know them, especially their presence in Gaza, when they fire rockets into Israel. Uh, Times of Israel actually says it was six men who were arrested at three locations overnight. So two different reports there, whether it was four terrorists or six, and were all handed over to the Shin Bet for interrogation. The IDF last night went into the village of Silat Al-Haratia in northern Samaria to map the home of the terrorists suspected of carrying out the shooting. 
in preparation for the demolition of uh, their homes. Uh, demolition orders were handed to the terrorists' families. Now, we've talked about this before. The reason the homes are demolished are an attempt to create deterrence. I think it has to happen a lot quicker. It needs to happen within a day or two. Every terrorist should know. And this is just, by the way, in my opinion, this is the minimal what Israel should be doing, destroying the homes of the terrorists. I mean, I think that these people should be uh, thrown out of the country. And I think the terrorists themselves should get the death penalty, in my opinion. But there needs to be a real deterrence so that these attacks don't keep happening time after time after time. The Jerusalem Post reported that Prime Minister Bennett warned of attempts to spark a wave of terrorism in Judea and Samaria following the capture of the four terrorists. Again, I, I mean, is that wave here? I don't know who actually decides if we're in a wave or not. Uh, Prime Minister Bennett said, We have witnessed in recent weeks attempts by terrorist organizations to rear their head in Judea and Samaria. At, he made these comments at Sunday's cabinet meeting. At the same time, he said there are terrorist attacks by lone actors inspired by the regular incitement that may change its platform. In the past, it was Facebook. Now it's TikTok. But the incitement is the same incitement. So the question is, if we know that the incitement is out there being carried out by the Palestinian Authority and Hamas, but in particular by the Palestinian Authority, why do some Israeli ministers believe that the best way to achieve quiet is to bolster the Palestinian Authority. They're the ones who are carrying out the incitement. Why not send them packing back from where they came from and be done with them once and for all? Why bolster them? I mean, in this government, with so many different voices represented... You have Minister Zev Elkin, for example, who was blaming the PA for the terror attack the other day. And on the other hand, you had the internal security minister, Omer Barlev, who was just meeting with U.S. officials that, uh, last week talking about, in his opinion, that the Palestinian Authority should be given more support. So the question for Prime Minister Bennett is, which one is it? Are we bolstering the PA, which I think is a mistake, or are we blaming the PA and taking them to task for their pay-to-slay program as we see this, I'll call it a wave of terror. Yet, again, another, with this murderous attack carried out by residents of the Palestinian Authority, everyone is focused, the world community, the State Department, the UN, everyone is focused on so-called settler violence. Okay, I actually was on I-24 TV this past week to discuss this. These monsters are literally murdering Jews, throwing rocks, firebombs on a daily basis. And the world is focused on a sporadic, what I call a law enforcement issue, which is dealt with by the Israeli police. 99.9% the residents of Judea and Samaria are peaceful, yet the world is focused on that 0.1%. But when it comes to, let's say, terror attacks in the Congo or Yemen or all these places, crickets. That's what we get. We get crickets. This is an obsession. There's an obsession with Judea and Samaria. 
And it continues, and may God avenge the blood of Yehuda, uh, Diamond Men, the young married father murdered in this week's terror attack. And that wasn't the only reported attack. I-24 News says that a 38-year-old Israeli man was lightly wounded in a stabbing attack on Saturday uh, in Hebron near the Cave of the Patriarchs. The attacker, a 65-year-old woman, an Arab woman, 65 years old, decides she is going to go out and try to murder Jews outside of Judaism's second holiest site. In addition, just last night, an attempted stabbing took place in Jerusalem. A terrorist tried to stab a Jew near the old city. He ran away. He was eventually caught by police. No one was hurt. So there you have it. Those are the major, I guess, the major attacks and as I mentioned several times already, in addition to the daily rock and firebomb attacks which take place, and those are also increasing, whether it's 10 a day, 15 a day, or 20 a day in different areas throughout Judea and Samaria, but that is unfortunately our reality. I mentioned the obsession on Judea and Samaria. The Jewish press reports that Instead of condemning the terrorism, the UN General Assembly once again condemned Israel on Friday in two separate resolutions, including the World Bodies concluding, sorry, the World Bodies 2021 legislation. And here are the stats, 14 resolutions that single out the Jewish state and 5 for the rest of the world combined. One resolution each for the regimes in North Korea, Iran, uh, Myanmar, Crimea, and while a draft re resolution, by the way, on Syria was deferred. 14 on Israel, 5 on the rest of the world. Hillel Neuer, executive director of UN Watch, Geneva-based NGO Watchdog, says the UN's assault on Israel with a torrent of one-sided resolutions is surreal. He added, it's absurd that in the year 2021, out of some 20 UN General Assembly resolutions that criticize countries, 70% focused on one single country, Israel. Make no mistake, the purpose of the lopsided condemnation is to demonize the Jewish state. And if you read some of the text of these resolutions, they're just completely absurd, completely outrageous, condemning Israel for allegedly exploiting natural resources of the Palestinians, and of Syria in the Golan Heights. They want to do everything they can to give Syria the Golan, even if it means turning it over to a, uh, a dictator who butchered hundreds of thousands of his own people. doesn't matter. The Golan, they want, to they want to give to Syria. The Golan, which historically part of the land of Israel. Nothing about Hamas, um, nothing about terror tunnels or the fact that Hamas wants to rebuild destroyed infrastructure so they can continue to carry out attacks against Israel, nothing about environmental pollution caused by tire burning and other burning throughout the PA, arson balloons, kites, all the other stuff, not a word. Okay, but... Condemning Israel for all this phony nonsense, that is the focus of the UN. What a farce, a complete farce.
But the world's a crazy place here, turning to Iran. And uh, the European Union, the U.S., and others are getting nervous. The time is running out. Time is running out on Iran. We've got to get them back to the deal, back to the bad deal. That is the focus. Here you have a U.S. official quoted in yesterday's Jerusalem Post saying that every day that goes by is, a, is just further proof and demonstration of how self-defeating the decision to withdraw from the JCPOA was. So that's the mentality of the current U.S. administration. The reason Iran is full steam ahead on their nuclear program is because the U.S. pulled out of the, GC, the JCPOA. And that type of logic and, and rationalization is completely absurd. The deal itself was a bad deal. The U.S. was correct for pulling out of it. The U.S. was correct for implementing harsher sanctions on Iran. And instead, this administration wants to lift those sanctions, doing everything they can, begging Iran, please just behave so we can lift the sanctions and you guys will return to this deal, which is a bad deal. Blaming, essentially blaming the situation on the, the previous administration, on the Trump administration, when on this issue, President Trump, Trump did all the right things and stood up to the mullahs in Tehran, because that is how you have to act in the Middle East. No, not according to the Biden administration, which says the reason all this is going down, the reason we have problems now is because of the Trump administration. Israel, of course, opposed the Iran deal when it was signed. And Israel's concerns are the deal's failure to tackle Iran's non-nuclear military aggression and its global terror activity. So not only does the deal, in actuality, pave a path for Iran to achieve nuclear, achieve nuclear weapons, even if they follow the deal, but it doesn't talk about the fact that Iran is the biggest exporter of terror internationally, and it is supporting these proxy groups, whether Hezbollah or Hamas or others all over the world. That is not part of the deal. And that's why Israel said that this is a bad deal, especially because of the nuclear path, which it paves, again, even if they follow the deal. Ambassador to the UN Gilad Erdan, who was in Israel this week with a group of ambassadors showing them, showing them the reality of the situation. This is the second time he's done a trip like this. He said, not only does the old agreement not block Iran's path from becoming a nuclear threshold state, this is, was in the Jerusalem Post, by the way, but it also does not address the formidable threats that Iran supports in the region, like Hezbollah, which is right on Israel's border. He made these comments, I think, actually when he was on that border in the north with the UN ambassadors explaining the reality of the situation to them. He said, he said we expect the UN and, and the international community to put heavy pressure on Iran to reach a diplomatic agreement that addresses both of, both of these threats and Iran's missile program. That's not going to happen. Instead, you know what the world is focused on here? Here's a picture. Okay, this is a Reuters photo of the International Atomic Energy Agency showing reporters a camera, a surveillance camera. They believe the way that they're going to stop Iran from producing a bomb is monitoring these cameras, these high-tech advanced cameras, 
It's this is an absolute joke, folks. And the IAEA Director General Rafael Grossi or Grossi, I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced. He's showing reporters this camera, and it's all all we have to all we have to do really is install these cameras into the nuclear facilities. That way, we can watch what Iran is doing. That's that's a, that's their logic. That's what they're going for. They're going for these cameras. And ironically, here, uh, just to show you what a joke this is, the Jerusalem Post reported yesterday that one journalist who was shown these cameras noted that Tehran has still not agreed to allow inspectors to watch the footage of the cameras that will be, that will be put in the Karaj nuclear facility. So, number one, cameras there are a joke. Iran can still continue to set out to achieve their nuclear capabilities, even if they have these phony baloney cameras in their facilities. Okay, a total joke. And Iran isn't letting the inspectors look at the data or the footage captured by the cameras. It's a joke, but it's not funny. But this is the reality. He actually has a press conference here showing cameras. This is going to stop Iran's nuclear program. High-tech cameras. Right, like they haven't been fooling the world for years and years and years. As Prime Minister Netanyahu pointed out uh, recently, within the last couple of years, they've been fooling the world. They've been trying to achieve their nuclear ambitions. And and then this is what they're showing. This is what they're displaying are these high-tech cameras. That's going to thwart the mullahs and Tehran. We are... We are nearing, it seems, we are nearing the breaking point, folks, where Israel is going to have to take care of business. We talk about it a lot on this program, but that is that is the biggest existential threat facing Israel. And please God, our leaders will have the backbone to do whatever it is that has to be done in order to thwart Iran's nuclear ambitions. On... Uh, Sunday yesterday, I was supposed to go to a uh, a cocktail reception with Prime Minister Naftali Bennett to be held for the uh, the foreign press in Israel, foreign journalists. I'm considered part of the foreign press because I write for JNS News, and they are a foreign press outlet. But the event was canceled. So Arut Sheva here yesterday pointed this out. Yair Lapid, our foreign minister, he in fact met with 400 activists from his Yeshatid party as Naftali Bennett canceled a reception that was supposed to be held with, it says here, 400 journalists. Arucheva says that Prime Minister Naftali Bennett canceled a New Year's reception. This was an end of the year um Obviously, on the Gregorian calendar, we're headed towards December 31. Bennett canceled a New Year's reception, which was scheduled to be held on Sunday, due to what was described as growing concerns over over a potential new COVID wave in Israel. And by the way, the Prime Minister had a press conference last night in which he said that the fifth uh, COVID wave has, in fact, started here in Israel with the new Omicron variant. Okay, so Prime Minister uh, Naftali Bennett cancels the event, which I was supposed to attend, due to growing concerns with COVID. 
Okay, this was a government press office event, and I understand that they want to have people's health in mind. They want to focus on health. <clears throat> so I'm not saying I'm against the fact that they canceled this event. Okay, they made the decision. But what is interesting here, what is ironic, perhaps hypocritical, is the fact that at the same time, alternate Prime Minister and Foreign Minister Yair Lapid held a conference with hundreds in Kiryat Tivon. He said, thank you, quote, thank you to the hundreds of activists who came to the Eshatid conference in Kiryat Tivon to hear about what this government has managed to do in the six months since we established it and also to ask questions about our work plans. So he thanked his guests, did Yair Lapid. He was able to host an event for the Ishatid party, and Naftali Bennett canceled his event for the foreign press. Jerusalem Post editor-in-chief Yaakov Katz, according to Arucheva, tweeted out the following. He wrote, quote, So Lapid meets hundreds of Ishatid activists tonight, but Bennett cancels an annual press conference with the foreign press scheduled for tomorrow. He must have written this Saturday night. Just the latest example of a government that doesn't have a clear policy. So there you have it. Some events can be held, others can't, based on, I don't know what, politics, or, according to Yaakov Katz, a government without a clear policy. During the cabinet meeting yesterday, I mentioned the Omicron uh, fifth wave, which Bennett discussed last night in prime time. But earlier in the day, during his cabinet meeting, he said that the Omicron is already in the country. There are already infections within the community. We are already seeing an increase in the coefficient of infection. Every family needs to be prepared. Each person should, person should make sure that they themselves are vaccinated with three shots and that their kids are vaccinated. So um, I saw this morning that I think over 1,000 1, new cases were reported. Again, I don't know which strain. Um, there's no way for me to tell, but over 1,000 in the last 24 hours here in Israel. And Israel is, according to Ynet, is mulling another lockdown, perhaps a complete lockdown as the infection rate has climbed above 1% for the first time in months, according to health officials. And at the same time, um, the skies are starting to close down. Countries like the United States and Canada have been, have been designated as red countries. And starting on Tuesday night, Tuesday night into Wednesday, Israelis cannot, are not allowed to travel to the U.S., Canada, and many other countries which are designated as red. Tourists to Israel have not been allowed in over the last several, I think it's been already, uh, about a month or two. That continues. And now, at the same time, Israelis who want to travel abroad to certain countries, a lot of countries, are not allowed to do so. Um, JNS reports that Israel stepped up for the victims of the horrible tornadoes which took place in Kentucky last week. Uh, Israel's consul general to Atlanta, Anat Sultan Dadon, got a first-hand look at, at the destruction left in the wake of last week's deadly tornadoes in Kentucky, calling the devastation honestly heartbreaking. 
Sultan Dadon, whose consulate post includes Kentucky and the Southeast, said she wanted to convey Israel's support for the people of Kentucky and our love and friendship during these difficult days. During her visit, she delivered 400 backpacks filled with toys, toiletries, school supplies, and other essentials to the Hopkins County School Administration for distribution. So Israel stepping up for the state of Kentucky in the United States. Do other countries do this? Do other countries step up and help in local natural disasters which take place in countries around the world? I'm curious to know because I know Israel does it basically each and every time. Each time there's a an earthquake. I mean, there are organizations whose entire missions are dedicated to flying halfway across the world, whether it's Haiti or Japan or you name it, where natural disasters take place and setting up shop, either the Israeli government or these nonprofits. Israel, I think it's Israel Aid, what one of the organizations is called. And here you have Israel stepping up for the people of Kentucky, uh, those who are victims from that horrible uh, string of tornadoes which took place just last week. So again, those who are hating on Israel, maybe you will realize that we are truly a light unto the nations. And once again, once again, stepping up for a country halfway around the world. Just a little bit of politics here. Our good friend Gil Hoffman reported in the Jerusalem Post yesterday that former Jerusalem mayor Nir Barkat could bring the Likud many more seats than other potential successors to former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, according to a new poll. Netanyahu, by the way, still, the poll predicted that if he would be leading, if he would be the leader of the Likud in the next election, Likud would get the most seats, 33 seats. But if it was Barkat, near Barkat, Likud would get 29 seats, and that's more than any other candidate. So we'll have to see, again, there are no elections scheduled, at this point for the next uh, several years, but uh, we'll have to see what plays out in terms of the Likud leadership, um, which still would receive more seats than any other party. Uh, Nevertheless, based on the current system, it doesn't matter if your party gets the most seats, it matters who's able to form a government coalition. As we know, because Naftali Bennett, whose party only had, what was it, six or seven seats, he was the one that was able, with Yair Lapid, to work out a deal and form a coalition, even though Likud uh, technically had the most seats. That's just the way our system works. So we'll have to continue to pay attention to former Jerusalem Mayor Nir Barkat and his future in the world of national politics. And finishing off on a positive note here, uh, Israeli swimmer Anastasia Gorbenko became the first Israeli to win a gold medal in the World Swimming Championships in any category, taking first place in the 50-meter breaststroke on Friday in the FINA short course contest taking place in Abu Dhabi. So congratulations to the Israeli swimmer for the first ever gold medal in the World Swimming Championships, Anastasia Gorbenko, the pride of the state of Israel. Congratulations, job well done. May you have much success in your swimming career, proudly representing the blue and white. That's going to do it for today. Thank you very much to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything everything that she does behind the scenes. My name is Josh Haston. 
This is Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Joshua Haston Israel. Uh, sorry, Joshua Haston or Josh Haston Israel Advocacy and Journalism on Twitter at Josh Haston and on Instagram as well. Um, those of us here in Israel, everyone should be safe during this winter storm. Let's enjoy the rain and let's thank God for the blessing which he's giving us. Um, in the form of rain and whether you're in Israel or in any other country around the world most importantly between now and when we please God speak again next Monday everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours be safe stay healthy have a great week everyone from Jerusalem just outside the walls of the old city the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people have a great week everyone Shalom Every Sunday, join the Land of Israel Fellowship. This live interactive Zoom experience is hosted by Jeremy Gimpel and Ari Abramowitz with participants from around the world. Enhance your faith, deepen your understanding, align your destiny with the Land of Israel. To join, visit thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. Inviting the world to learn Torah from Judea, a new cycle, a new world.